0: Um, so, okay, let's talk more about the, the Maori language thing. So there's two things you've said that I think are really um, interesting thing, things to get into. Yes. And we've been, I don't know we've what been they are. talking for a long time and sort of like meandering around stuff. It's maybe not necessarily about, about language and that's my fault as, as as host. I should maybe try to keep us on, on the rails a little bit more. But it's because I you know, haven't talked too well and it's interesting mm. to, to talk about all this different stuff. But um, one... About the fact that New Zealand English itself was not so common to hear on TV growing up, mm-hmm. and like what what that's like, I think that's an experience a lot of Americans um, can't uh, analogize. Yep. Um, that that American English would not be the main form of English to hear on TV in America. Mm-hmm. That so that that one, and then also the um, just the more about Maori, uh, that the Maori language and the way that uh, how how is it protected in New Zealand society, and how is it promoted, and mm. like what what role does it serve because there's there's other societies that i know a little bit about that have multilingual you know the 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 overall culture is a mix like singapore is is a a pretty extreme example or like canada has quebec has a sort of dual language system and then those patchy parts of america that are sort of dealing with the question Mm. with um spanish-speaking immigrants and uh, in a v- very typical american fashion it's kind of just left to each local place to figure out on it a- in its own and you know like southern california has a, a, an approach to it that is often like for some reason controversial you know to other parts like they don't like the idea that things should be in spanish and government and mm. things but anyway mm. so ha- you know whichever one of those you want to get into so first. the first question again um, oh so about what w- what is what is that experience like and i'm sorry that's probably a big general amorphous question but like of having New Zealand English, which is the English you heard spoken every day around you in school and stuff, never be on TV and have this other dialect that you probably had never heard in real life up to a certain age. So,
1: Yeah, as I said, like um, uh, growing up in the 80s, uh, the kids' TV shows were typically American. So there were two TV channels at the time. They were both uh, state-run channels, as they still are, actually, Channel 1 and Channel 2, (laughs) aptly named. Um, And in my memory uh channel 1 was actually typically british um sort of doc um uh, british uh television shows and and so forth and then channel 2 was the more youth oriented or up and coming sort of channel at that time and was maybe more american so i think i i watched i remember channel 1 being the boring one <laughs> so channel 2 was the more entertaining one with uh american accents and it was just the way the television spoke it okay. wasn't uh, um so actually now I I'm getting on in age but um I'm still too young to actually remember but I think it was around 19 I think it was 1980 1981 there was a music show I'm aware um something like um MTV mm-hmm. basically a show and it caused controversy so I was only a couple of years old I only know this from hearing of it but I think a lot of people in New Zealand know that this uh the host Decided to speak not with uh, received pronunciation, okay. British English, yeah. um, as was the, the standard then uh, for when they did speak in New Zealand right. on, on TV. So New
0: Zealanders would, would speak in the Queens. S-
1: some sort of yeah, yeah New Zealand variation of that, if you okay. like. Um, but this this host, um, a woman, did not. She just spoke in her regular way. Uh-huh. And so that apparently caused controversy at the time. And this is, I think, around 1980, 81, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah um that's such an interesting interesting phenomenon yeah to
1: me. um and i've never really looked into i'm just aware of that but yeah uh and then the media didn't really change until the late 80s when the economy was opened up and a bit more globalized and i think the third channel channel three tv three sorry slightly different um came in i think 1989 and so then from there then we have like um uh, tv expanding and, and from all over but mostly american so I would you, say.
0: you're saying that w- at the point in time at which hearing the true native new zealand accent on tv but i said so by native i mean you know uh, I would say Pakeha, yeah, Pakeha, uh yeah the pronunciation of, of, yeah. of english uh, on tv was controversial you don't, oh. a, you don't actually remember the controversy the, or the feeling of, of people being of having like disagreements about it or...
1: no no all i remember is is the the it's sounding different. Like it's sounding. It didn't sound to me. At least it didn't sound quite right because the TV had always spoken a certain way. Yeah. I just want to correct um, something you said there about sure. the Pakeha pronunciation. That would m- imply it's the European New Zealand or white New Zealand um, pronunciation, as if that were better than another. It. It's not. Is, is it's that just, a
0: so that there's a good question that I hadn't even quite, thought of. Uh, is there a difference? Like, so this is something. Yeah, I know this is this is an extremely fraught um, thing, but in American English. I think that um, the role of local dialects often tends to be that of like incorrect or messy or whatever. Right. And the the standard standard American English, which is not which is oddly not from a big city. There's no. It's not like the New York dialect or the Los Angeles dialect. Right.
1: I actually just saw something online about that just yeah. yesterday or the day before yeah. about why that is. Yeah, yeah, which was was fascinating. Um, the the argument being on this uh, um video i was watching on youtube was uh that the new york accent um was not really um liked so much because new york had always been a city of migrants mm-hmm. um and so the migrants of of whatever population of europe or elsewhere were generally frowned upon and then the southern accent being mm-hmm. the other one was of course a majority black population um with a uh, a slave economy and so th- to whoever was in power at the time could couldn't see that as as being an appropriate um dialect either right. and so it unusually moved away from because typically you would you would have a the biggest city would have it's the, in japanese it's
0: tokyo for yeah example. right the yeah.
1: biggest city would have the standard would take this as be taken as the standard language right. right so that couldn't happen with new york being the biggest city right um given the migrant population and then yeah southern states with um a slave-based econ- economic history um, b- being fraught—a <laughs> fraught, yeah, right. b- a very serious problem in the in the states.
0: So it moved more to the Midwest, right? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so this is a
0: conver- uh, topic that Yuki, in the time we've been dating and and married, that she's become very interested in, oh. in accents of English, and yeah. I think because I I watched the movie Fargo with her, um, and she she very into the Coen Brothers, uh, and I was like, oh, this is you know one of the, the oldest movies that she mm-hmm. hadn't seen. And I was telling her that, like, the accent is a big part of that movie's right. overall atmosphere. And it's an accent that Americans often forget exists. Mm-hmm. And I think in that movie, I've heard people, I've met people from Minnesota who tell me that it's a bit exaggerated. But I, as they were telling me that, I was hearing the Fargo accent <laughs> in, in, as they're speaking. So, um, you know, I I think in the process of maybe watching movies with me and me making comments, she's become more aware of American or different English accents. Yeah. And one time we were hanging out with a, a, a British friend of mine and, and Yuki asked the question, cause she's aware of like from watching the wire and stuff that in, 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 Eng- in American English, not only are our accents um, regional, but they're also racialized. Yeah. There's, there's accents that are like, as you say um, the Southern, like what, what Americans would, reg- would regard as like black American English is, is a branch off of, Mm-hmm. the southern the southern family of dialects right. um regardless of whether people now actually live in the south or not mm-hmm. um and so yuki asked my, my british friend she's like is there a black british english and my friend's just like no there really there might be a handful of of slang terms that mm-hmm. probably are not even not even every black british person would use but it, it there, there's not like in in uh america or in the u.s um Correctly or incorrectly, people will hear just a speaker's voice and make conclusions about the race. Mm. Um, which, which my British friend, you know, Yuki was interested in that, and and uh, my, my British friend said no. And in, mm. in the UK, there's no equivalent. It's it's not possible. There's, I mean, there isn't such a tightly defined. Thing.
1: Right. I, I would assume in the UK it's more social.
0: Right. Uh, it's right. it's social much class. more economic and Yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah I guess not, not even economic, but social, yeah. as you say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Yuki was extremely fascinated by that, mm. and she still talks about it all the time about how like it says uh, it says so much about the different history of migration and the role that um, race played in the identity of the two countries. Mm. But so I say all that to ask: like, is there a Maori dialect of, of English that sounds different than? Because I made the mistake yeah. earlier of saying Pākehā. pakiha." Uh,
1: oh, I, I just brought up that point about Pakia because it's a it is in itself a controversial term. So some people hold. That it's an offensive term. Okay. Um, I would say the majority of New Zealand. I'm going go, <laughs> Majority of New Zealanders. <laughs> that, that, that's a Japanese <laughs> uh, term. <laughs> yeah. Majority of New Zealanders um, would be okay with it. I, I think, Pakeha. Um, but um, I, I don't hear the term white. I, I only use that here in Japan if I'm speaking in English or if, sure. uh, to, for the benefit of Americans. A <laughs> <White> people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so European New is you'll see Pakeha slash European New Zealander on a lot of um, government forms. Okay. It'll give that, that option. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, that term is controversial. And I would say that it comes with a lot of baggage. So that's why um, I would say New Zealand television media moved more towards a general New Zealand accent, not a broad one. Mm-hmm not yeah but a a general sort of everyday accent um in regards to the maori accent there is um there are features of maori um uh maori accents uh maori pronunciation in english i'm not comfortable (laughs) (laughs) repeating those or saying those and i am not sufficiently um knowledgeable to to explain them yeah
0: okay um, I think you were telling me at one point in time in the past. I apologize; I may be completely misremembering that. There's actually also, I I think two distinct dialects of Maori of the Maori language. Or am I am I misremembering uh, that? I,
1: yeah, I can't remember if I said that. Um, it's yeah, I'm not an expert in in, okay. in this I'm, field, I, yeah, but I don't mean to corner you on that. So. Yeah, I I mean there is a, a modern standardized Maori. And then there was, um, a, in the South Island, as I'm aware, there was originally a, um, a different accent or a different dialect, I should say. Um, but I think with the loss of the language during colonial times and then a rebirth of the language, it's moved along standardized lines. Oh. Um, so uh,
0: to what extent it, was it lost? I, I wasn't aware that that,
1: Ah, oh, um, well, it was it was your classic sort of <laughs> colonial country where they would um, ban, ban oh, really, okay. yeah, ban the language, or it, it was not allowed in schools, or it wasn't taught for a long time, okay. and and so forth. So the the actual success or ongoing slow success of Maori, you know, and it's a very small percentage of the population that that can speak it fluently, unfortunately. But um, the success really comes down to local. Uh, um, groups so wanting to preserve the language so um the local community groups developed uh what are called kohanga reo which are like language nests for promoting the maori language so there'll be um a uh a, I forgot the word <laughs> an immersive language environment for just maori and from that and that was in the 70s
0: an immersive language environment what type of environment is that is that like so kindergarten, a kindergarten
1: oh okay sorry sorry yeah kindergarten or early uh, learning sort of center or something
0: and uh and and so from there they b-
1: built it up and it became something and that was in the 70s i believe in the 60s and 70s and so by the mid to late 70s the government recognized finally that this was the way to go forward and and, and preserve and promote the language um by by Helping promote that, so so now we have schools and um, uh, kura Papa Māori, which are like um Maori immersion immersion schools, Maori language immersion schools, I should say, and um Wananga, which are Maori uh, language universities, and so forth.
0: Yeah. Uh, outside of education, uh, educational institutions, are there is there any other kind of ac- activities or um, community? So this is more into the second question. I guess. Uh, yeah i mean i'm I'm just interested in how how uh I, i'm very fascinated because it sounds like a success story how a language like that how that obviously schools are an, are an obvious answer but i'm curious about other methods for preserving and promoting the use yeah. of a, another language like that.
1: so a lot of it has come down to interpreting the treaty um and say and and there was this very um broad word taonga which as i said before means treasures so what The Maori have a right to have um, their treasures preserved and promoted, essentially, but that was very open to interpretation. The Maori, so uh, so I should say, there's two versions of the two language versions of the treaty: one in Maori, one in English. They're not exactly the same, okay? And so that's part of the um, interpretation that's needed, Um, and so with that basis of interpreting um, the, the the treaty. The government is, and I would say all parties agree, they're obliged to um, fulfill those um, those promises and so forth. So uh, the government, typically everything is bilingual. Um, it was a very New Zealand sort of accent, <laughs> <laughs> bilingual. Um, yeah. Uh, so all government documentation will be produced in English and in Maori okay. and, and signage and so forth. Um, and it's gen- generally taught in, in, in primary school with options and so forth um, beyond that. Um, however, I will say uh, it's uh, it's hard for, to say if it's a complete success and the rates are unfortunately still low com- uh, compared to the use of English. And I believe believe that most people are bilingual in English and Maori. So it's not that there are only monolingual Maori speakers. There may be some, uh, I'm not aware of the numbers. Um, Yeah. Uh, And the Maori population is generally uh, a greater part of the percentage of the population in the North Island. So the successes are more likely in the North Island, I would say than the South Island, which is, um, Predominantly Pākehā and more recently other migrant p- populations. Okay. So the region I'm from, when I was growing up, I read that it was only one in twenty were Maori, whereas a much high, the further north you go, the, f- the 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 um the more dynamic the population is, I guess, rather than just British or um English and Scottish settled areas. Yeah. So that has an impact on the language use and study.
0: Were, were are there any instances, and I apologize, this is a very Amer- American question perhaps, was land taken from the Maori during colonization? Yes. Were they driven away from? Yes. Okay, I see.
1: Yeah. So there was a time called the New Zealand Wars where land was just confiscated, or taken over by force. Um, others were just well, you sort of classic. Um, oh, we're just going to buy up this land from one person in, in the the tribe and give them something in return. Yeah, so a lot of confiscations and 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 theft.
0: Leveraged buyouts.
1: Yeah, and um, as part of the treaty settlements, which have been ongoing since the nineties, um, the government each government has um to a greater or lesser extent made reparations which okay. is, um and not to say that that's the the end of it of 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 the um of um healing the wounds but so they've made reparations uh compensated in terms of land cultural um artifacts and um, money and so forth so you have some different there are different tribes around the country and some are huge like the south island um tribe um is uh, i think all of the south island or most of it um and they received a money which has has now been used to develop their own their own iwi their own tribe
0: further yeah it's very interesting yeah I don't want to, um, I, I, sorry, I asked you a few questions. I'm, I, I'm sort of asking you to speak for all of New Zealanders. I, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot about that. And because there's so much um, other stuff about, about you uh, individually that's interesting. We don't have to talk about New Zealand stuff. Well, thank you Thank you for, for sharing about it because it's something that I, I didn't know much about before I met you. Yeah. And um, actually it was good to talk to you today because uh, until this conversation, I think I had a rosier view of, as you said, New Zealanders kind of regard themselves as having bragging rights. And I, I perhaps bought into that and I felt like, oh. That the uh, colonial New Zealanders didn't confiscate any land and didn't do anything bad to the Maori, yeah. like it was just an equal um, th- merger of societies.
1: Yeah, I, I I would think it it's something that a lot of people buy into. Like it's oh well, we have never done, we have never done anything as as bad as other um, countries. As bad know? as I know, a,
0: it's such an interesting and every country does that. Yeah, right? every country um, goes well, we didn't do this thing. That- so
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it's part of our modern national identity where we yeah. have to sort of hey explain that we're a little bit better in this regard at least and it may or may not be true as i said to you at the beginning i am a pakeha new zealander so i I can only speak from a perspective that i've 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 learned or looked into a little bit myself um this would more than likely be very different from a maori new zealand i would
0: hope that i'd love to have a, Mm. a maori new zealander or two or three on here at some point as well um yeah. So, uh, getting back to you a little bit, and we we don't have a ton of time left. But um, are you okay on time?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coronavirus.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we're in our, our Corona Cave, <laughs> um, bomb, Fallout Shelter. Corona time.
1: Corona time. <laughs> this would this room would actually make a great little shelter. Actually, there's no
0: uh, there's no window, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you s- you need some tinned food and yeah. uh, some liquids and things. Yeah, you'd be fine. Yeah. Internet, no problem. Yeah.
0: Um so uh, getting back to you uh, <laughs> uh well, how sorry this is such a big question and i don't want to sound too pretentious but um now as someone who speaks russian uh rather fluently as i understand and korean pretty fluently from what i've seen and uh you you're you can definitely handle working with japanese people and speaking japanese in that way so i mean you've got those three languages to a very functional level mm-hmm. as i can see obviously i don't know about korean and russian but uh do you feel like that's changed your perspective on who you are or how you relate to other New Zealanders when you go back? And as as I've said, you visit Russia and um, Russian speaking areas a lot. Um, You know, there's a part of me... Sometimes uh, I'll jokingly refer to it with friends, or or friends will refer to me that I'm some percent Osakajin, more more than Japanese, right? I'm I, I said that's a very English pronoun Osakajin. <laughs> um, no, but I'm some percent like a Osaka person. Right? There's some part of, but I almost feel like um, it's not like percentages in my case. It's not like I'm this percent yeah. American and this percent Californian and this percent Japanese. It's more like I just have. Like multiple personalities. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was thinking about. Um. I was wondering if I would get a question like this. Yeah. Um. I,
0: I'm really fascinated to hear about because I'm sure you have more than I do, even.
1: Yeah, I think. Um. In using the different languages at any given time, and actually, when you, I just want to comment when you said about code switching before. I'm actually terrible at at, at switching between, and I don't mean like uh, speaking English and then using some Japanese words, but actually switching between the languages. Mm. I don't think I'm particularly stronger mm. i prefer to just stay in one mm.
0: yeah back and forth um, so if someone were to like really quick quickly open the door behind you and say something in russian you'd be like
1: uh, oh no that be that would be fine but yeah. i mean like to switch between chunks of conversation i think is if okay. i had to translate back and forth i don't yeah. know if I'm, if I'm that comfortable with it but um, have you ever
0: had any weird experiences with that having to code switch and weird Oh, uh, sorry. That So that was a bad question, because I actually just want to tell my really, really quick anecdote. <laughs> but if you do have any, I want to hear yours, too. I one time visited Japan before I lived here with a with a friend who we were both young, single, and he was really just interested to like travel and meet girls and try to hook up or whatever. And one, one time we ended up in a situation where there's two Korean girls, and one of the Korean girls spoke Japanese, and the other one did not. And neither of them spoke English. My friend didn't speak anything but English, and I spoke Japanese. So he wanted to flirt with the girl who only oh spoke God. Korean. So it was this U shape of of her talking to her friend, and her friend talking to me. We literally just played telephone the whole. Night. And it was a funny story, but it was actually like a really boring, like like it was just a horribly torturous night for for the uh, the two of us. Yeah. Who were just basically like their interpreters. Yeah, I. It was like they were world leaders, and we were negotiating a...
1: I don't think I have a story as exciting as that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. No. Um, Thank you for letting me share mine. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Welcome to my show.
0: <laughs> um, what was the question again? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we were talking about code switching. No, about oh. uh, identity and, and, and personality. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So
1: yeah. My, I, I'm very aware. I I'd like to think that I'm aware of my situation and what I'm doing at any given time. I don't know if that's always true, but um, when it comes to language, yeah, I, I'm very aware that I adapt personality to, to the language I'm speaking. So <laughs> it's gonna sound a little bit silly perhaps, but when I use Russian, I, I know that I'm a, a bit more serious, a bit more, um, as, as, as I said before, emotional with um, perhaps my host family and friends. I still have friends uh, back in, in St. Petersburg and things. Um, but generally it's sort of a you know, lack like, um visual um information sharing if you like so gestures and smiling and oh, things really? they're not not really that common a thing and with strangers and so forth oh, really yeah so I feel a little bit more serious and and if Russian. you were to
0: gesture a lot is it seen as rude is it seen as old? how is it seen Prob- it's just foreign? it's foreign okay yeah
1: um, bearing in mind that Russians are generally used to um non-slavs non-russians speaking russian right i mean they yeah, are used to it are used to it just um and therefore some different cultures i okay. d- doesn't necessarily mean they always ag- like the culture or agree with it mm. but um just by fact that there was the ussr before mm. um so there were different populations speaking russian
0: so probably similar than to how english speakers are, are familiar with a lot of different foreign accents or yeah. foreign mannerisms yeah. in english yeah,
1: yeah okay um uh with Korean and Japanese, I think I'm. I feel more. I am careful in the way I interpret um, relationships, particularly with Korean. Um, trying making sure I understand who I'm talking to and what that would entail, in terms of the the levels I would speak or. Um,
0: My limited and, experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say. Uh, yeah, so, so a bit more careful in, in, in expressing myself. And in, in my mind, Koreans are a very expressive um, population. Um, so, yeah, so you have to be, a, I feel, as a, as a foreigner, uh, a little bit careful with that at times. Mm-hmm. Um, in Japan, I, I feel I'm probably a little bit more, um, a little bit quieter than I normally would, be in English, if, if I can say that. Um, as an example, my previous relationship, um, so I was in a, a, a relationship um, in Korea as well, with a, a Korean guy, and um, we actually spoke in English. I met him when I, I learned uh, English only. Uh, sorry, when I learned, when I used English only. <laughs> Still learning English. Uh, and um, before I learned Korean um, formally, and um and we would was a, we would argue all the time and i think i i think I, it was a power thing power oh, dynamic yeah, you, oh, it was yeah. in in japan so the the last relationship i was in uh was a generally good relationship and and we did not argue we had one disagreement that i can recall and and it was over something as absurd as getting extra baggage for the airplane <laughs> That was the extent of it. So, and I think, and, and it may be down to confidence, ability. I mean, I learned Japanese quite late. I was in my thirties, uh-huh. and, um, and so, so my level of confidence in the language perhaps is quite different from from Russian, certainly,
0: and from Korean. As so, well. is that is that what you're saying? You were hesitant to argue because you, or, or,
1: yeah, but I know? also I feel like I know. Not to i think well I've probably also grown up a little bit to be honest <laughs> as well I was in my twenties when I was in my relationship with korean um partners and and yeah. and i think i think i knew the world i think i knew all about the world and and everything yeah. in my twenties and in my thirties and, and and now i uh, kind of admit acknowledge that i, I don't <laughs> um so i'm I, I tend not to argue in Japanese it just doesn't seem. It's like something I would do, really, unless it's a formal argument, you know,
0: formal, a debate, debate, or a yeah, policy, work, yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So my my yeah personality changes, um, but I get I get little. Uh, my my base personality, if you like, my New Zealand personality, Can't try come through. So whether that's using sarcasm yeah. or um, fairness. <laughs> as we were talking about earlier, um, before the podcast, um, um, my, um, values and, and, and principles come through at times in, in the language, but it's a matter of negotiating with the, the language and the culture you're in.
0: That's a great way to put it. I felt that in, in Japanese for, for sure. I mean, I think in my, uh, first, probably 15 years of learning Japanese and then maybe first, I don't know, six years of living here, mm. um, which that, that, that's an overlapping time period there. But uh, I, I was really trying to, like, speak Japanese, as I said before, to, when I speak Japanese, be as Japanese as possible. Mm. Not that I am Japanese, but to, like, approach Japanese just as a Japanese person would speak it, right? As much mm. as, as, as humanly possible. And also living here, negotiating the rules and trying to understand how society functions to really just try to, okay, like, this is how it's done. This is how it's done. This is par- Partially how I was raised by an immigrant mother in the U.S., that mm. was her approach to living in America. Like, this is how it's done here. It's not a question of whether I like it or not or whether I agree because it's not – no one's asking me. Hmm. Um, so that was how I approached it now and uh, how I approached it for a long time here. But I've settled in now to like kind of what the balance is that I'm there's – I'm not ever going to be Japanese. And what that what that really means as I'm using it now is that, um, yeah, there's some of my values and like my, my core principles and just my way of relating to people that is – set as it is from like my cultural matrix and like the society I grew up in and all the different influences I've had on me and the ways that I have enjoyed or not enjoyed being treated and not everyone's going to be exactly the same and Mm -hmm. to a certain extent that is American it's Southern California there's a little bit of maybe Mexican influence in there that um I'm a little bit looser with people for better and for worse than a Japanese person would be I'm a lot more ready to drop the formal case once we've gotten to know each other a little bit Mm -hmm. and just try to be a little bit more open and relaxed and loose and you know sometimes that that's a great icebreaker with japanese people sometimes they're happy to be like oh hey i'm getting a little bit of a cultural experience with this foreign person without the without, without the difficulty of having to speak english to them um and then other people don't like it but mm. you know that's part that's part of life of living in a global society um mm, mm. so yeah i think ne- you said negotiating i think it's a great way to put it
1: yeah i uh, i don't know if it quite relates but um when i was last in russia december, for, december before last i uh just um went into a cafe and and I ordered just a coffee I don't remember what it was and um and then the lady said something to me and I just I hadn't I wasn't listening actually so I just asked to to repeat and she was like oh oh you know oh you're foreign I was like yes and she goes oh I thought you were Russian because you didn't smile (laughs) actually she literally just said it to me I'm like oh okay Hey, you're blending in <laughs> yeah blended <it> in yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: um it's funny uh yesterday yuki called i told you we're, we're thinking about buying a, a a place i don't know probably an apartment um and, and she, <laughs> as opposed to a tent a or house or a yeah, okay. no, right, yeah, hole in the ground um she a, a she, bunker <laughs> a bunker yeah she called a, a real estate a, a agent and I, I just heard her side of the conversation i sitting next to her and it's so funny um it's for her it's somewhat new she's definitely gotten used to it pretty quickly but it's an experience that we all are familiar with living in foreign countries especially in countries like korea or japan where there really is kind of just one ethnicity and one culture as the main um dominant society but she called and i could hear the conversation it was like she said okay you know how's friday how's this friday and in the afternoon sometime uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah and then you know i could hear i could guess what the question was based on what her answer was and then finally i heard her give her name her name right because she took my last name when we got married which was what she wanted to do i kind of almost get i almost made the devil's advocate argument i'm like are you sure you want to here's all the reasons that you might not want to um but she, so you know finally got to the i heard her just go do and and then like the pause and then just like no i'm japanese <laughs> and then the American Yes, 12 years You're like immediately once her last name was not a Japanese last name, the next questions were all there, there's a there's a script there right Oh, are you Japanese? Oh, is your husband not Japanese? Where is he from? Yeah. How long has he been in Japan? Like, yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing because um, I think actually Americans would almost take offense to that. Right. But this is kind of going back to what sort of said
1: in the beginning, beginning with, with rules. And maybe, I don't know, if, maybe rules is not the right word, but expectations or probabilities. Like, you can figure out if if my wife makes this phone call about this matter, this is probably going to happen. And I'm not going to get upset about it. I, I can expect that X Y Z is going to happen. It's going to be one of those, more than likely X, for example. It's r- so, yeah. um, so that's why I, I feel like I've had less of a stressful time compared to some of my other friends here, and um, it's just yeah, part and parcel of living.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't find because it again, it's. Different, mm. like I said, in America that would be rude. Yeah, but it's a different society where right. there are a lot more mixtures of different cultures and different last names in America. Right. So it, it is understandable why you should just accept that it's a foreign last name. Right. Whereas in Japan, it's that's unusual. Yeah. Um. And it what is funny though is hearing the reaction she gets because I don't want to give the impression that I that I make her always do those phone calls. <laughs> she she's a bit more champing at the bit with the apartment, so she wanted to yep. call him. Um. But I you know when I when I make those calls. It's very funny because uh, I've had the experience of them thinking I'm Japanese, like when I've called a place and then I've shown up after talking on the phone and then being like, "Uh, uh," mm-hmm. like if I haven't given them my name. Um, but then I've also had the experience of you know if I, when I say my name or I show up and they see me, I almost see them go like, "Oh, that makes sense," <laughs> because I think that the probably um not to pat myself on the back but my japanese often passes as native but it's not perfectly mm-hmm. native so there's there's times where i'll see pe- people like i'll see the light bulb of them like okay i wondered why you said that one thing kind of weird and now i see why you're not one of us or, or something like that but it's funny with her because they they were a lot more confused and had a lot more questions whereas with me when i say like tonike they're like ah uh, yeah okay that makes sense
1: the point you were making about um, giving last names and if you were in America. So if, for example, a Japanese um, person uh, did the same, made the same phone call and the person did react to their name. Yeah. Their, their last name. Yeah. As being. um, they said Tanaka. Yeah. And and the person on the other line uh, reacted poorly to that. Mm -hmm. It would, it's, if the Japanese persons learned the, the social, cues and etiquette or, or expectations of, of the culture they should know that that would be inappropriate right right? right right so if the person making the phone call goes into it with that sort of mindset or having learned that or having or being aware of that probably you're going to have an easier time um, to know that this name should be okay no matter what it is yeah um, quite the opposite of Japan perhaps right for the most part but um,
0: yeah. it, what you're talking about is understanding what the, the uh, borders of normal are mm right or acceptable i don't know maybe normal is a front word but that yeah it's not abnormal in japan to react to a foreign last name Mm. and have a bunch of questions Mm. it's it's a little bit more abnormal in the u.s for example yeah 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 And, and and knowing that it helps you navigate the experience
1: yeah yeah, I was, just, I was thinking uh, my name is kind of amusing for a lot of, of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in Japanese, at least, noeru. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, oh. as most people are aware, it's something to do with Christmas.
0: So, oh, really? Yeah. Really? Really? Uh, I'm, no, I'm surprised that that, I, is it from, uh, where, where would they encounter the word noeru in regards to Christmas?
1: I don't know, just in the media and things. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of uh, people would see it as a very cute name and, and knowing it's to do with Christmas, from French. Right? Noelle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Kind of funny like that. Because I, I
0: was just thinking that what immediately comes to mind for me is the song, The First Noel, and I, mm. and I I have not heard that much in Japan, especially not in English. I've heard the music. I haven't heard the the words. Right. right? Are there words to it? Yes, there are. Of course there are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That. Get rid of that bit. Okay. Me, me singing? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Me going? Oh, there are there words to that? <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly. Mm. Yeah. Um, actually, if, if, a funny thing to do with names, though, is. Uh, I know you're probably short on time <laughs> now. Now oh, I'm hosting. Fine. Yeah. Um, your name, in so in English and in Japanese and in Spanish, does yeah. it change? You're oh, name? Oh man. Okay. Uh, no, I, I know you've gone through the process of actually changing your.
0: You know, yeah i just changed this family name my but first yeah name. so so the, the the story behind the, the my my name change because i think pe- people not in any country people don't often change their name so people always wonder why yeah hey, the thing was my dad had wanted to spell my name i-a-i-n which is like the gaelic spelling of it um and he because he thought it was cool my dad has a little bit of a touch of i think a lot of a lot of american a lot of americans experience this where he's so many generations into being in the U S and just being like a white American person Mm -hmm. that there's a bit of like insecurity of like, but I want to have connections with my roots too. And you know, when, when the transition from the melting pot model to like the salad bowl model, uh, happened, I think, so there, there's kind of the ugly reaction that some European descended Americans had where they're like, well, speak American, you know, like you're here, be, you know, you don't, you don't get to, but I think that's the ugly side of it. I think, but the on, on another side of it, there's a there's a not impossible to understand thing of like, well, we all gave up our like we're not German or Irish. We don't know anything about our home ethnicities anymore, and we kind of blended in. I think that some people maybe miss the fact that that they were allowed to do that, mm, right? Mm. Pass visually passing for the dominant race allows you to drop, um, which is not a good. It's, it's good and bad, mm. right? I've experienced that firsthand, and I, I think we've seen it probably with like Korean people in Japan have that option. Um, if you can pass, you, some people will choose to pass. Uh, but see, so yeah, I think that there's like my dad kind of had that where he's like, "Well, I want to go back now and resurrect some of the long lost." You know, he's never even met any of the the first generation Scottish people who came over to the U.S. and his in his ancestry. But you know, he wanted that, so he wanted to spell my name I A I N. And my mom coming from a completely different angle of, like, she was a first-generation immigrant and just wanted to fit in, was, like, don't name him anything that can be made fun of in school, mm. don't make it hard to pronounce, and even the name, even the, the spelling that they went with, I-A-N, was still, like, most of my teachers couldn't pronounce it, it's not a common name, in, at least in the part of the U.S. that I grew up in, oh. um, which surprised me when I found out that, like, in the U.K. and Australia and New Zealand, yeah. it's, it's extremely common. Yeah,
1: but I, I had friends growing up with that name.
0: Yeah. But yeah. so no. The, the, the reason I changed it was because my mom had said to my dad, well, like, look, let's just name him the simple spelling and we'll tell him this story and let him decide later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like uh, this is for dad. Actually, I don't have that kind of relationship where I it's just I just I kind of I like the Gaelic spelling a little bit. It's maybe just an aesthetic choice for me. It's not that. Yeah. Deep. So my,
1: my question is when you are speaking in English and Japanese and Spanish. Yeah does the pronunciation of your name change? Do you adapt it to that or do you keep it um,
0: I, the same? So the difficulty with my name in Japanese in particular and to an extent in Spanish is that the uh, the, this, the middle vowel as I say it, mm. as I have grown up pronouncing my own name, is a schwa. Mm. It's an unstressed mm. schwa sound, which is like the hardest sound <laughs> to render into katakana. Oh, it's okay. the hardest vowel sound yeah. anyway. Um, and the way I've ended up doing it in katakana was... Literally just how my first really close Japanese friend in junior high school wrote it for me the first time Because what she did which is I was very, I'm very surprised looking back And maybe it's because she was a teenager and she didn't know that much about the world yet uh, Most Japanese people see my name and they've seen soccer players with it or whatever and just from the spelling they go It's young Iyang, mm. right like they they just they, that that's what that name is in Katakana, but my friend uh, in junior high school didn't have a default assumption. And she just made me say it like 10 times. She's like, say it again. Ian, say it again. Ian, Ian, And so finally, she wrote like, "e," no e So it's mm. ien, as she wrote it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's not e, it's not en But it's, that's closer than ian mm. to how it actually yeah. sounds. So I let Japanese people say ian. I don't correct them if they start calling me ian. I'm not like militant about it, but I write it en an And if anybody asks me, I'll yeah. say it two or three times just so they can hear like Ian, and I often get the like <laughs> and I'm like, really is it is it that difficult but I mean, yeah, so uh I yeah, I say Ian. and i and and I try to just say Ian yeah. just to like let them hear it because it's not it's not a Japanese it's, name yeah. it's not yeah in Spanish, it's been such a long time now, to be honest with you. um embarrassed to say I've not been to Mexico in such a very long time as a kid, I think there was a little bit of that I don't because they don't there's not really a schwa in Spanish mm. either so. I think it was probably similar of like, young, know, but no, I was never Juan. I mean, I think I maybe had a cousin or a, or an aunt, just a very distant, I, I remember a couple of times being called like Juanito, but it was never my identity. It was mm-hmm, never to be Juanito. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, my, even my mother's close relatives and my grandmother's close relatives who knew me and knew my lineage and knew that I was half Mexican, just regarded me as a, the American kid. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I wasn't. Yeah, Mexicans are quite, are quite like, not fussed about that stuff generally. So okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my experience has been, I've had to, my name is not especially difficult, mm-hmm. I think, but uh, you adapt it to the, the language that you're using, right? So, uh, in Japanese, Noeru, uh, in Korean, Noel.
0: Noel, yeah, well, at yeah. least, yeah, Korean, you can get the actual. Yeah, actual.
1: you get it pretty close if, yeah. it's, if you're going with the French pronunciation. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, of course, in English, I would just say no, no, which is kind of the L kind of gets dropped in New Zealand accents anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, to a certain extent. So no, it's a no. little bit
0: like a W, no, um, not the nicest name. Um, your, your name, actually, i it's one of those names, even as long as I've known you, like sometimes when I haven't seen you in a while and I'm going to say it, yeah. I'm like... I'm saying "null," but is that how he says it? I can't remember if you if you enunciate the "e" more or not. So yeah. when I when I introduced you at the beginning of the podcast is "null." Part of me like my stomach flipped of like I hope this is
1: no that just sounds perfectly American okay. to me. It okay. sounds fine. All right, it's a it's an adequate adequate, <laughs> adequate variation. Adequate. All right, um, and then yeah, in Russian "nail," which is uh, it's funny because a lot of uh, Russians when I give my name perhaps they might not pick it up and they're like what. <laughs> you know like, eh? so could you say it one more time? yeah and me yeah the N- russian variant N- Nail. interesting but it's still written no l yeah and uh yeah. and so i sometimes had to break it up like that so they know how to spell it there's some there's some pronunciation rules with them um non-emphasized vowels that you have to hmm. work with but yeah uh yeah so it's always been sort of a, a funny thing because yeah, your name, as I said to you before with the case system in Russian, for example, your name, the ending on your name will change depending on what that name is doing in the sentence. So if it's to, if it's to null, it'll be Noely, like mm. that. Or if it's it, like direct address, if
0: I'm calling yeah, it or something.
1: Yeah. Um, or if it's uh, of, if you want to say of null or from null, whatever, Noelia, mm. like that kind of difference there so it has consequences so yeah it's interesting i still wanted to point out actually which i didn't point out in the beginning that i studied russian in russia and every language i've studied in the country yeah but i also studied russian at university Hmm. in new zealand before they closed that program down
0: after going to (laughs) russia
1: yeah yeah when i returned to new zealand i actually um did uh, my second and third year uh russian studies Hmm. undergrad yeah as well but they've they've since ceased that program so
0: yeah i wanted i think i wanted to ask you much closer to the beginning and maybe this would wrap up with some lighter questions yeah, but, yeah. um I, I don't think i i finished asking the question or, or i don't remember if you answered it but um, what for you like learning the languages you've learned what is the skill you mastered first there's a, there's a variety of skills that are common like you've got to learn the pronunciation you've mm-hmm. got to learn the grammar you've got to you know become literate in it and yeah sub skills to each one yeah you right? did ask that actually yeah, yeah. Did, you, did you say i don't think i answered okay.
1: um i think it comes down to also it you see it probably in 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 my humor if i can say that um imitation so the sort of sound the sounds that i hear in the language i tend to to be able to, to pick up first and just repeat without necessarily understanding what i'm saying perhaps so i think if that answers your question pronunciation yeah like yeah Yeah. so i tend to mimic things i mean i do it at home on the tv if i hear american accents or whatever now even i'll just repeat the stupid word that anderson cooper is saying or something
0: dude you and i are (laughs) so alike that way because i it's sorry i'm way too far from the mic there you and i are so alike because that's exactly Mm. i think there's a direct link between my love of doing impressions Mm -mm. and not in any mean-spirited way it's it's sensitive because you can't necessarily sometimes when i'm at home cooking same thing with the two Maybe I'll, I'll just yeah. mimic what I've just heard. Yeah. But it's not something I would necessarily do in front of people yeah. because it's it can come off quite I actually uh, have a very
1: specific moment. So in Korean, I remember in my very first year, and as I said to you before, I was studying Korean a lot by myself, um, trying to sort of work through a workbook or whatever. And I would watch TV. And I remember it was like in the morning before I had to go to work and the home shopping network was on and they were selling something. And a, a rather tricky sound for foreigners is the l sound in korean which is uh, yeah um kind of sound and um it's a very important it's a significant sound in korean uh it's an it's used in the as part of the object marker anyway um and yeah i remember just uh, the the i kept hearing it in the home shopping show and the lady kept saying it and then i just started imitating it. i was like oh and then i actually remember the moment that i actually was like uh, uh, oh yes i've got it and curl my tongue way back yeah way up. yeah so i still still it, hold on to that
0: it's funny because it's it's not something that often gets talked about this way but it's muscle training mm. it's it's 100 muscle training because your are the way that your mouth and tongue are used to moving like in the same way that your legs and feet are used to moving when you walk or your arms and your hips and all that um is defined by what they do all the time and so if you just speak english all the time you have the english muscle sets down but um, you have to build up the strength and the balance for the other ones yeah. as well yeah
1: yeah uh, are there are there sounds in japanese that are difficult for you to produce still
0: now yeah or at least well, maybe in the well, beginning I, I have a little bit of like a shortened shortened tongue mm-hmm. and I, even in english i have a, a bit of a lisp and, and that can that sometimes makes the um we can edit that out that yeah, line somewhat yeah. difficult i've gotten that now i think spanish helps me with that because it's yes. cl- much closer to the spanish r yeah it's not exactly the same but it's closer
1: i see, yeah i see the same point with um with russian so there's r as well mm. r. yeah 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 and that's useful once you've learned it in one language maybe similar to another one yeah, yeah. so it's, it's helpful there um
0: one thing i can't do do you know what is oh yeah yeah it's mostly gone mm in in informally commonly used japanese um but bidakon is a is a feature mm. of um it's it's a, it's a bit it's a bit abstract no, and, and obscure to point out but it, where there's a sound in japanese the mm, mm sound mm. Um, sorry I, said, mm. <laughs> I was agreeing with you <laughs> <laughs> uh that it, it is a sound unto itself but sometimes i in bidakon i i'm not even 100% sure what the rule is um, but it's a it's an elegant sounding way of, of pronouncing Japanese yeah. um, that is that is expected of people who were like television yes. news anchors or stuff and and, yeah. and giving political speeches that, right. the, that the average people don't often use. Yeah. But before like for example ga yeah. the um the the voiced so there's the unvoiced version of it would be ka yeah. and then the voiced version would be ga and uh, the the elegant bidakon way of saying ga is mm. ng ga, yeah. ng- ga. Yeah. Where you kind—it's of, almost like a glottal stop mm. before the—I—I I, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. Yeah, but
1: kind of sort of nasalized and palatalized.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I yeah I read something not long ago that even in in like, that it, it's sort of sometimes happens there that people use it and going I can't quite do it perhaps as well. But yeah, I think I've heard it a lot in. Well, I'm aware of it in in announcements and in Tokyo
0: actually. Well, because yeah, it is, it is uh, standard, standard and, yeah. and upper class or yeah. sophisticated sounding, so to speak. I said upper class. It's actually a, a, a bit of a misnomer because that's an interesting thing I find about Japanese is is how little of a role social class plays. in region definitely,
1: yeah,
0: uh, a huge part of accents here, but social class not like British English, for example.
1: Yeah, I wait. I, years ago, I read. Um the relationship between the N and the K sounds, a K kind of sound, so that, and including, um, uh, so the, the K sound is harsher and it's more, um, it was described as more abstract, whereas the N is more personal, personalized, uh, that, which probably sounds a little bit weird, but, and, and, uh, and so that's reflected in the speech that way. Oh, okay. It's, and, and so the, the personalized one is more polite in certain in certain areas that's very interesting
0: yeah um so one one last thing you 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 might already know this but as somebody who who likes your like you said just finding stuff out yeah yeah. um you may already know this but i i was listening to a friend of mine get because this is this is the kind of conversations i have a friend of mine sent me um after we had talked about this stuff sent me a reading a woman reading uh genji monogatari the tale of genji which is Mm sometimes considered the oldest novel in the world um it's a really important work of japanese literature and japanese literary history um sent me a a youtube video of a woman reading yenji monogatari in the pronunciation of that time of course it's reconstructed it's not a hundred percent definite that it's accurate but uh reading it and, mm. that, and one thing i was very really surprised i noticed a bunch of things kept jumping out at me and i started and then i i wrote back to my friend who sent it to me and she was like yeah that's because this this evolved this way and there's a lot of stuff i didn't know and sometimes my assumptions about how japanese modern japanese had evolved were, were backwards were, were the opposite of what had happened for example like um ho the the who sound mm-hmm. i assumed that was an aberrant thing mm right that you had ha he so they're h they're h sounds all of mm-hmm. them but who is not quite enough it's usually rendered as an f in english that's like mount fuji we mm-hmm. say fuji but it's actually fuji um it's it's almost like you just make a little circle with your lips and blow air out yeah through it. It to do it like a yeah <laughs> um but it, actually it's the reverse that those sounds are originally and and much much stronger and harsher sounding fufefo. Mm. And that they've softened over time. And I, f- I forget what the term she used. It's like f- um, frontal labial shortening or something that the the tendency as this Japanese um, uh, phonology is evolving is to move the lips less and less. Mm. that a lot of a lot of sounds which require more movement of the front of the you know the front of the mouth and the lips uh, are being softened and reduced. So that actually it, it was originally an F sound, fafi fo that has changed into hahihu heho. And that was really weird to hear you know, even like the, um, the topic marker particle, like kare wa, or, yeah, I think, I think she even, cause that's ha, it's mm-hmm. written ha, I think she was even saying kare fa, but I, I could be wrong about that, but anyway, there was a lot of mm-hmm. words there, it was fa instead of ha, and, um, you can hear in a, 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 a very, um, layman, sort of ignorant, just my perception of it, uh, you can hear that that you can hear sort of common ancestry with korean more and yeah. at that when, when it's yeah yeah in the, the older version yeah.
1: yeah i for a time I, I read a little bit in historical linguistics um so the when i was living in korea the relationship between the two languages and i remember reading that um hopefully get the kingdoms right um one of the kingdoms in korea was called Baekje, and they spoke a Korean, what Koreans consider a Korean language, um, different from the, the, the Seoul-based one, uh, which the name now escapes me. But um, the, the Bektia kingdom didn't need interpreters for speaking with the native Japanese population. That they only needed interpreters when speaking to those in seoul really yeah um and i don't think that's a very widely known or that's accepted sort of idea and, and certainly politically it doesn't really fit i don't
0: I, <laughs> I almost don't even completely understand that oh
1: so i mean so there's a unified kingdom yeah. but before that oh, there yeah, were separate sure. kingdoms yeah, and right. things and so the the pektia had a lot of uh, diplomatic relations with japan uh-huh. but they didn't need interpreters in terms of the, yeah, the that's languages
0: super so is it that I, oh, I, sorry. I was going to ask an either-or question, but I realized it has to be both. I was going to say, is was Japanese at the time closer to that version of Korean, or was that version of Korean closer what to What I Japanese? was reading, that but, was the
1: argument, yeah. I mean, that was many years ago. That I that's read very that. fascinating. Yeah, um,
0: It's like, um, I've heard anecdotally, I've had a lot of friends have the experience of speaking Spanish to an Italian speaker, and having an Italian speaker speak back in Italian, and sometimes not even realizing right away... <laughs> of going, like, something's up with this guy's Spanish, but I don't know what it is? Actually,
1: yeah. Um, when I was in Kiev, sorry, uh, Kiev in Russian, or yeah. Kiev, <laughs> in my New Zealand accent, but also in Ukrainian, um, I uh, the I constantly encountered, and I, I knew this about Kiev before, but it's both a Russian and a Ukrainian-speaking um, city. Mm-hmm. Now, the languages are very close together, right? They're both Slavic languages, and, and are closer together than... Um, French and Italian for example from from what I have heard Uh, so I would you know talk to people go shopping whatever and I would naturally I would speak Russian to them knowing that I could and Mm -hmm. that was I mean knowing that it was possible for them to understand me when I say I could and they would reply now they would reply either in Russian or in Ukrainian and the Ukrainian I could get a gist of it sometimes not always depending on the conversation but it sort of confounded me like why would why would people just reply in a different language <laughs> you know and um i i asked uh one woman about this and she said well and this was only this was uh what, a year and a half ago so bear in mind the, po- the politics of it um i said well we're, we're proud of our language we want to use our language so that's certainly um uh, perhaps a feature more of, of younger people mm. maybe um, but certainly the, the politics, politics of, of, of Russia invading the Crimea and, and sure. the eastern border
0: I'm sure there's been a reaction to that, yeah right.
1: um, and also sort of post-Soviet times as well um, but she she also said um, yeah so uh, yeah we're, we're proud of our language and we can just choose whatever language we und- uh, we want to speak because we we both understand uh, each other yeah. so meaning that a person who is Ukrainian uh, from the Ukraine and perhaps speaks Russian as a native language um, will in- inevitably, if they're living in Kiev, also know Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. So you can just communicate with whichever language you wish or which one you're more comfortable with and you will get a response in either of those. Uh, but being a foreigner, that's a slightly different matter, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it was fascinating, really blew my mind. That is, that's a very interesting um, approach to And that. yet sometimes it happens actually at school Uh, where I work now and I'm sure you've you've certainly experienced it as well where a staff member would perhaps a Japanese staff member will speak to you in Japanese and then you might just reply in English
0: it's interesting because that school I think I've experienced that more than anywhere else in Japan when I worked there is that there's whole conversations Mm. where where the where the each person never speaks the other person's language
1: yeah and I I still do that and I, I don't actually know why i do that i think um it's probably yeah it's not, it's not out of pride of, of my language i think it's just more of a comfort thing so maybe people are is.
0: busy and they don't want to expend extra energy i think yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah but also if i know that the person will understand right. i mean so it is, is somewhat similar to the kiev experience yeah, it sounds like it it was interesting on the not the flip side but in a, in a, a variation of that um so i went to belarus uh, this last winter here and uh, I, I knew a little bit about the language situation there was which is that there is a separate Belarusian language mm-hmm. um, it's also close to uh, Russian I read close that it's closer to Ukrainian actually but um, still very close to Russian but the the population generally speak Russian all the time so okay. the signage it's uh, the signage and everything would typically be in in Belarusian. Uh-huh. Uh, in ukraine it was it was both russian and ukrainian actually okay um or just ukrainian sometimes but in, in in belarus the signs and so forth were usually in in belarusian but everyone would speak russian and i didn't hear any belarusian that i was aware of it may have been a case of um uh, that the languages are sometimes so similar right. that it just sounds like a, a slight dialect For or sure. something like that uh, or a variation Um, but the only time I was actually aware of someone speaking Belarusian to me was on my very last day. And I went to a souvenir shop and uh, it was a really nice souvenir shop. Um, and, and the guy only spoke Belarusian to me. And so that sort of, that struck me as quite marked. Like it was, whoa, okay. I'm hearing, hearing this, you know, for the, for the first time. That's very
0: interesting too. I wonder why that is.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the, the past connection with Russia, obviously, um, yeah, the that russian was the state language before um in terms of the soviet union of course and there was a a level of um prestige to it Hmm. or an expectation that everyone would in the in the ussr that they would learn it or speak it um and i think what's at least from my perspective now i said to you I, i I, I bought some books on, on Belarusian grammar and vocabulary and things, not because not I intend to learn it, but because I like that reference. I like to be able to look through and see patterns and so forth. But the actual planning of the language was very, very late into the 20th century, so oh, mid-20th yeah. century as a deliberate sort of project by, to standardize a yeah. language. And what I would say are some deficiencies in the Russian orthography mm-hmm. are corrected in the Belarusian one. Oh, interesting. So that the unstressed O, yeah. the unstressed o sound in Russian, the the same word uh, would often frequent maybe uh, may occur in Belarusian as well, but they would spell it phonetically. Whereas in Russian, it's perhaps more morphophonemic. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they would they would so that they could because pronunciation, uh, stress changes in, in both languages all sort of kind of all over the place. It's not quite regular. Yeah. You have to kind of just learn it. Um, but the spelling was, was altered in Belarusian. I don't know if that was to make it a more phonetic, um, uh, spelling system. Hmm. I, I would uh, um, assume so, knowing sort of how Soviet linguists worked before more, a more demographic. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah yeah, demographic sort of um, approach to the language um, or if it was for some some other reason but it seems to be seems to be that
0: huh. uh, well it, it's been really uh great having you on no well, I really don't want to cut you off I could probably talk to you for another hour or two here but uh, I, I unfortunately have to have to run and go handle some other things so thank you very much for for coming on uh the podcast and I, I'd love to have you on again if you would like to I think we like as I said we could continue so uh, thanks so much for your time today
1: no problem thanks for having me